out of Luke 23. It is Jesus on the cross, and he's got some company with him. Two criminals hanging on each side. It says one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Prove it by saving yourself and us too. Notice, notice he's mocking him, but also like, hey, help me. Help me while you're at it. But then the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, he hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You can shout amen on that one if you want to because that's us. He didn't do anything to earn that salvation, to earn that statement. That is by the grace of God in his final moment saying, today, today you will be with me in paradise. What a wonderful promise. One of my favorite uh, lines in all of scripture that we have recorded of Jesus. Today, we have the question, how do I know what is sin? How do I know what isn't sin? How do I make that determination today? So I got something in my bag today to maybe help us with this. Um, this right here. Uh-oh. Can I have a drink of this right now? Is this sin or not sinful? What's happening? I can feel the tension going up in the room right now. This is on purpose. I am okay with the tension. It's going to be, you guys give me a tough question and make me sit in it. I'm going to make you sit in it a little bit too, all right? I've been wrestling with this all week. It's a, we'll, we'll talk about this, all right? How about, how about this right here? We got a whole table full of these right over here. Is it a sin for me to eat this? Statistically, this is, this is going to get more of us than that. Statistically, this would be more dangerous over the span of a lifetime. How do we make the determination what's sinful, what's not, okay? Let me just tell you, in all, amongst all the tension, I can't make you or anyone believe anything, all right? So I'm not going to be here beating anyone down. We have atheist friends who will come to this church. They actually like coming. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. You are welcome here in this place. So we might disagree on some things at the end of the day, but if we're friends now, I promise you the heart of this message is we should still be friends later after the message, even if we disagree on some of these things. I get fired for, from some churches for what just took place, by the way, all right? And you know this, you know this. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So before we get mad and start throwing chairs or whatever, we're not going to do that, all right? Say hello to a few people. Say, I'm glad you're here. Fist bump, welcome, high five, give them a hug, handshake, all right? And say hello to two or three people before we get jumped in. All right. Freedom Church Online family, we've got our online family joining us today. I want to say just how grateful I am for each and every one of you. You can join the live stream online if you're in, uh, in person too, if you're in, in the house. But um, I'm grateful for our, our online community and the people who join in week after week and some people join in midweek as well. 
Uh, all right, so let's jump into this. I've got a lot of things to go through today, and I want to give you a foundation uh, for how you can determine for yourself what is sinful and what is not, and give us some sort of context for that. So first off, we've got to define what is sin, all right? Biblically speaking, sin is any failure to conform to the moral law in God, of God in act, speech, or attitude, okay? So it's just a very general statement, but it can be through your talks, it can be through actions. It, it, a lot of it, as you'll see, has to do with heart and motive behind it. Like, what's your, what's your motive behind doing certain things? And that could be sinful. I'm not going to touch on it too much today, but also sin you'll see in Scripture can be upon a nation. A nation can be sinful. Israel, God's nation in the Old Testament, you'd see repeatedly, they were being judged not only individually as a person, but God would see them as a whole. So you could have entities, even a church, Freedom Church. Um, God's watching our church as an entity uh, in Revelations chapter 3. He's like, to this church here, to this church here, he will address um, individuals in their behavior, in their, their actions, their speech. But he'll also, uh, you'll see that in Scripture. Again, I'm not going to dive into all of that sort of stuff, but you'll see that kind of language coming out. Bible very clearly says, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on us individually today. How do we do that? Because I believe that's the context of the verse. Uh, Bible says very clearly, all have sinned. All right? And, and I dove into that Greek word, all, and in the Greek, it means all, all right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody, nobody's immune. Everybody has to deal with this. Now, sometimes we don't see the need for this. You know, you had one thief on the cross who saw the need. The other on the cross didn't, right, quite honestly. And so sometimes we have trouble seeing the need. So I thought I'd just ask some questions to see if we can see the need. Has anybody ever here told a lie? All right, raise your hand if you've ever told a lie, all right? If, you have, if you're not raising your hand right now, you're, you're a liar, all right? So, so what does that make us? That makes us liars, okay? Uh, anybody ever stolen anything? Some of us in here, okay? So that means everybody, everybody in here is not, hasn't stolen anything. They tithe like they're supposed to, right? That's an that's a inside pastor joke, Malachi 3.8, how do you rob me? Uh, with tithes and, and offering, uh, uh, <laughs> trying to get everybody offended here. All right. That would make us thieves. I don't like that. I don't like that. That hurts. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, God's not asking, by the way, whether we like it or not on some of these things. Um, how many of you have ever put a priority over your relationship with God? You have something that is like, hey, this is a, at a time you don't want to, but you know what, this is just, I put this over top of God. All right, some of us, we're honest in here today. I appreciate it, Blake. I see you back there. Thank you, man. Um, what would that make us? If we, we put something over and above God in our lives, that would make us idolater, human idolaters, all right? So a lot of us in the room, if we're being honest, hey, we are, in, in God's eyes, liars, thieves, idolaters. I could go through the list. I thought about in this sermon, I thought about, you know what, which sins do they want to know about? You know, like which ones are, are the ones that they're really questioning? I was like, you know what, let's just parade everybody through and we'll just have, a, and we can all just kind of have a group chat and, and discussion. That would be awful. You, nobody would come back next week. No. Um, I'm not going to go through the list today because if I went through the list today, uh, yours may not be on there and you're like, hey, I'm good. What's the Bible say? All. 
We, we all got something. We all got something on our list where we're not hitting the mark with God. That's important to know. In this whole redemptive story of why we're here and why we worship Jesus, part of that story is man's rebellious. We all have something where we have fallen short with God, all right? So if you're here today, welcome to Freedom Church, by the way. First time I've called everybody uh, liars and thieves and all that sort of stuff. I'm glad you're here. Um, now, not only that, kind of goes worse, the wages of sin. What's the payment for sin? It's death. The payment for one, we talked about this two weeks ago with holiness, God's holiness. All it takes is one. Bible's very clear. One is enough. And it says the payment for sin is death. But the free gift of God, there's no payment for a free gift, it's free, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? So if we get what we deserve, Bible says, is, is death, eternal. That's what we deserve, even one. You know, if I think about my, my college experience, what, what do I deserve and for, for my college experience? Uh failing because I cheated. I would bring in notes here and there and do different things. What I deserve, if I look at my life, I deserve jail because in those college years I would drive drunk, but I didn't, get, I didn't get caught. What do I deserve? I don't deserve to be up on this stage. If I, if I were to try to check all the list of what it should take and what it should be to be a pastor, I fail. All right? If I get what I deserve, and you can think about yourself, what do you deserve? There's some things, quite honestly, the story of your life has changed because you just didn't get caught. You'd be in a whole other boat if you got caught, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm getting away with anything. I'm trying to say we're all imperfect, all right? And if perfection is what it takes to get on this stage and preach, Ain't none of us making it up there, all right? We're human. Someone said that earlier. We're human. It doesn't give us license to sin and just live however we want, though. But we got to recognize the state in which we are in with God. We are all sinful, all right? We all struggle with this issue. Now, we don't like this. I don't like this. The whole world doesn't like this. We drive, how do we deal with this sin issue in our lives? This is what sin is. Some people remove sin just by not believing in God, all right? Atheism, that is a way to remove sin, by the way, because it's like, hey, if there's no God, then there is no sin problem. There's nothing to be forgiven from. That's how we deal with the issues. In our, they may not say that directly, but it's a way to get rid of it. How do I get rid of sin? No God, no need for that. But when we talk about this, and we talk about this a lot in Freedom Church, if you want to go through the atheism route, there is no God, there is no universe, then you got to check some boxes there that I don't think you could check. We did, I, I, on a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, I took my mother-in-law's uh, cupcakes or cookies from the 4th of July, and we talked about making the ingredients for those things. Guess what? The, the, the ingredients still have not made a cookie. You can't take randomness and get organized baked ice cookies without a designer. You need a creator, all right? When it comes to moral law, when it comes to ethics, everybody, everybody has something within them that says this is right and wrong. Now, we're going to disagree on what those things are, but I've never met a person, atheist included, who would say, this world is perfect. Nothing needs to change. Everything, it, no, 
People look at the world and say, it's wrong, something's broken, especially if something happens to you. I've never met anyone who's like, oh, just, eh, no. They take offense and they want justice. When you cry out, that was wrong, God help, or that needs to be fixed, or we want justice, these things, you are crying out for a fixer, a savior, a Lord, a creator, or something. You do not get justice or injustice in a godless world. If all we are is just matter, biology, cells, that's a, and you just get activated cells for a few decades, and then they stop, that's it. In a godless world, there is no such thing as right and wrong. Now, atheists would say, oh, yes, there is. We get our morals through our biology. That determines that. Uh, uh, Richard Dawkins, he's quoted as saying this. He was in an interview with a guy who was there talking about this. If you live in a godless world, you'd have to check this box. The guy, Justin Burley's saying this to Richard Dawkins, who's saying, hey, everything's random. Even our, our ethics, they come through our bi- biology, but we got that randomly. That's how we deserve. So he says, oh, so ultimately, Dawkins, your belief is that rape, that rape is wrong is as random or as arbitrary as the fact that we evolved with five fingers rather than six, to which Dawkins said in his position, yeah, you'd have to say that. We don't live that way, folks. Nobody lives that way. We see something and we call it out for what it is. You're crying out for a creator. It only... Injustice, right and wrong, only comes with a God. Your only hope is a God in that way. And in that case, we need a Savior. We need a fixer. Now, the question of the day is, how do I know what is and isn't sin? I thought about just saying it very plainly. Read your Bible. (laughs) Read your Bible, and that's it. But I I think you want a little bit more context than that. So I'm going to give you some things, that some tools, four or five things that you can take notes with, take home with, if you're really struggling with this. And, and kind of figure that out. Now, I also know, too, a little bit of a caveat. A lot of times we ask these questions, hey, is, is this one thing a sin? Is it, is it sinful? You know, weed is legal now in New Mexico. It's legal. It's not illegal. Can I smoke weed? It's legal. And the question behind that really isn't, do we want to know whether or not it's sinful or not? The real, if we're honest, the real question is, can I do that? You want to do something. We want to we get right to the line as close as we can without crossing the line. And I think that misses the point. It really misses the point. Well, technically, when we got married, I was a virgin. I was pure. But you were with half the school the entire time. You miss the point of purity. We want to get as close to the line as we can without crossing it, but we miss the heart of what God's getting at in a lot of these things, which we already said, sin isn't just the action. A lot of it is your heart. God reads your heart like a book. I can't read your heart. I can't see your heart. I can't see your soul. I don't know what motives are going on behind the scenes, but God can, and he knows. This is business that you need to do with God. I'm going to give you some tools on how to do business with God in your life. First thing is authority. What is the defining authority in your life? Like, you have to nail this one down. If you're going to define, how do I know what is sin and what isn't? You've got to define what it is. For me, it's the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Anybody want to finish that off? I stand alone on the 
the B-I-B-L-L. Oh, come on now. You guys are leaving me hanging. All right. Some of y'all know that. I don't believe the Bible just because randomly. Like, for me, there's several reasons. Like, there's historical, archaeological. This isn't just some, like, you go and study this thing, study the history of how we got our Bible, and that it dates right back to within decades and years of Jesus's life when we get the New Testament and how, we, how this all came together. One of the most documented artifacts in history. And you don't just got one account of Jesus, this no-name uh, carpenter guy from some no-name town in, in Bethlehem. No, you got four. This is unheard of that we have this much eyewitness documents that dates and has been preserved throughout history. Nothing compares to the documentation that we have, but it's not just documentation. We have archaeology, history, everything that you go to Israel, you're going to see a lot of this stuff come to life. So you got a lot of historical evidence as well. But then there's the experiential, which I can't make happen to you, but I just know what God's done in my own life. At a certain point, I have to surrender and just say, this, this is God saving me. Not because of what my parents believe, not because of what someone else said, but what I have seen and observed of God working in my life, this is it. I may not like it. I may not fully understand it. But this is the word of God. This is, this is what is going to be the authority in my life. Now, it may not be for you, but I'm gonna, this is where I'm coming from today. I'm coming from, from God's word, whether we like it or not. I've surrendered to this. Scripture says, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful to, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. I, wanna, I don't want to sin, right? It's going to give you guidance for that. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I'm going to, anything that comes my way, anything. Hey, Mike, is it a sin to fill in the blank? I'm going to take it and filter it through what does the Bible have to say about it. So that's my starting point. I'm going to filter it through there. Now, we talked about last week, Seth came in here, did a great job. The question was, what purpose does the Old Testament serve in my life in modern times? Such an old thing. Listen, when Jesus talked about the Old Testament, he wasn't like, oh, yeah, just scratch that and move on with the new. No, he's like, not a thing's changing out of there. He upholds. God's laws in the Old Testament, all right? At the same time, if you, if you really dive into Jesus and what he's saying is, is sinful and that sort of stuff, it doesn't get any easier in the New Testament. In fact, it gets harder. Here's one example where Jesus says this. He says, you've heard, you've heard the commandment from the Old Testament that says, you must not commit adultery. Jesus raises the bar way even higher. It's not about just the act. He says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus raises the standards. Some people would say, oh man, it's so hard to live in the Old Testament. I'm so glad we live under grace. Under grace? Heart. Man, when Jesus exposes God's heart and what he's really getting after here, the bar's raised. The bar is raised. Okay? Now, I don't like this, right? You don't like this. So we still got to deal with our sin problem. I don't like having my sin exposed and seeing my humanity compared to God's divinity. So how do we, how do we deal with this? Okay, I mentioned this earlier. First off, one, 
uh, God really isn't asking whether or not you like these things or not. Like, when, when it came to God creating the universe and designing and setting things up and creating you, as far as I, I know, and last I checked, none of us were major players in that, that, that meeting room that day to say, hey, I think I need your help on this. And when we, we will all stand in front of God one day to face judgment, and he's not going to be like, you know what? You're feeling, I, you know what, how you felt about that? You know what, I got that one wrong. I'm going to change because I didn't want you. He's not asking. We serve a good God, a holy God, who designed and created life. The Bible is a love letter saying, hey, I love humanity. I want a relationship with you. And also, this is how I designed and created life so you can live it to the best. To, so you can live it to the fullest. I want you to have life and life to the fullest. We still don't like it. We have this sinful nature within us that is at a constant war to say, I don't want to live that way. I know this is what your word says, but I don't like it. So what do we do? How do we solve this? There are Christians that would just say, you know what? Bible is written by human hands. It's got errors. You can't trust every, the Bible's good, but you can't trust it. That's one way to get rid of the this, this stuff in scripture that we don't like. I don't like it. I don't like when he says this. Well, guess what? You can do away with that by just saying, well, it was written by humans. It was, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. That's not for us. We've obviously progressed since then. So we don't need that. And we can pick and choose. I've heard pastors in this town, I'm paraphrasing, but say that exact thing. To say, you know what? You don't got to listen to that. Uh, my jaw hit the floor because that is a slippery slope. Who defines then? Who defines then man? The same man that you're critiquing, saying, oh, it's written by man, can't trust that. Now we're relying on what, some church denomination to make those determinations for us? That's not going well. Here, you gotta be, it is, if that's the case, and you can go to that church, but that's the blind leading the blind. You're going straight for a ditch. You got to ignore a lot of church history to say, what did these guys say and how did they live this out? Not just the church today, but I'm talking about these first century guys. When you go back and read the historical documents and look at the evidence and see what they say about this thing. How did they live this out? I'll give you one example, just one. Second Peter, this is Peter writing, Jesus' best, best bud, Peter. All right? He says, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. He'd say somewhere else, the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish. He desires everybody to be saved. He says, this is what our beloved brother Paul all right, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all his letters. All right, so we have the letters. He's writing about the letters that Paul has wrote that we get to read. He says some of his comments are hard to understand. Now, I love reading the Bible, and to me, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, he's like, have you ever read Romans? Like, Guys, this, this guy, Paul, is kind of hard to understand. And, and so he's kind of, I don't know, it's not a jab, but it's just funny to me. All right, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. 
just as they do with other parts of, say this with me, other parts of. So how did they view Paul's writings in that first century church? The main dudes of Jesus, the original disciples, how did they view his, his writings, his letters? Scripture. It was holy, sacred writings. They said this is authoritative. What Paul is writing, some have twisted, and this is, this is Scripture. We are taking this to the bank. It is serving as our authority. Take it too. There's other places where you can get that from, but that's one that just stands out. Listen, what I said earlier, how do I know what is sin and what isn't? It's not that hard. Read your Bible. Now, I promise you, you're not going to like everything you read. I don't like everything I read, but it has nothing to do whether I like it or not. How do I know what is right or wrong? You got to define the authority in your life. And if you find yourself doing theological gymnastics, oh, well, I don't like this, and maybe I should go here and here and here and twist here and flip here and go around here, and then you end up with this little phrase, did God really say that that was a sin? Which brings us all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? That's a dangerous place to be. Now, I'm not saying don't dive into Scripture and don't look at it and understand, did God, did God really say that? Like, there's a healthy side of this. you got to understand. There's, there's two churchy words that are kind of big. In it. Hermeneutics is one. Systematic theology is another. You can't cherry pick verses, okay? I know I'm throwing some verses at you, but when, when you want to know, is that a sin or not, go to the Bible and then see what the Bible has to say all over the Bible about that one thing. That's going to give you a pretty good picture. But then for each of those, it'll, that's systematic theology. Tell me everything the Bible has to say about purity. And I'll, I'll just kind of do the research on that thing. What does, what's the overarching theme? You're going to get a good picture. But then also, when it comes to those individual writings, hermeneutics, who was the author? Who was the audience? Where were they at? What was the culture like? What's the surrounding verses talking about? Is he dealing with a specific example? Or when he lists things out, is he saying, hey, this is kind of a universal principle. Like, these things are wrong, and it's been wrong since the beginning of time. What, what case is he making all around those things? Go to the Greek. Go to the Hebrew. I don't read Greek, and I don't read Hebrew, but we have dictionaries that can help you filter and see, okay, here's what the meaning of the word is. Here's how it's applied. Lexicons, commentaries. You got the whole game. You got all the stuff at your disposal if you really want to know what does the Bible have to say about it. Okay, you can go to work and, and really find out and you can get a good working definition of what those things are. In many cases, <laughs> it is just so clear and obvious. But sometimes it's the most clear and obvious things that I hate the most. Love your enemies. Love your enemies as, no, I do, it's so obvious, but I hate it. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. I don't like doing that. God, get them. God, judge them. God, punish them. Love your enemies. Sometimes it's the things that are most clear that we hate the most. We don't like. But again, God's not asking whether we like it. What about the things that aren't in there? 
What about, hey, the, you know, birth control, artificial ins- insemination, medications that I can take, dating, masturbation, things that aren't in there. I'm just trying to wake you up, by the way. What, how do we do that? Because sometimes Scripture's silent on these things. So I want to give you a, a few tests that I run through. They kind of go through this. One is, does this honor fill in the blank? Does this honor first and foremost God? Am I honoring God with this? And you know in your heart. I'm just going to say it right now. You know in your heart. Am I honoring God with this or am I serving my own selfish pleasure here? Can he bless what I'm about to do? You want to go smoke weed because it's now legal and you think, oh, well, it's legal now, so I can go do that. But neglecting the fact, going back to the Bible, where it's like, hey, don't get drunk on wine. Is it a sin for me to have that, that a, a drink? No, the Bible never says it's a sin to have a drink. It says don't get drunk. Well, what's the idea behind that? Don't get high. Keep, keep a, a level head about yourself. That's what the Bible's saying. We want to get off on, on technicality. Does this honor God with what I'm doing in my life? Ask that question, and you got to answer that. Secondly, does this honor others? Love others as you love yourself. Romans 14 is a great chapter for this, by the way. If you have doubts whether, you, whether or not you should eat something because they're saying, hey, it was sinful to eat this, it's not okay to eat this, it's okay to eat this, and they're kind of fighting about food and drinks, by the way. He says, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your own convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So he's like, hey, have consideration. Am I honoring the people around me? So right now, no, me having a drink, I would not do it. It's a horrible idea right here because that's not honoring a lot of the people in a mixed company like this at all. Plus, my conscience just is not okay with that, which I'm going to get to in a second. Secondly, is it honoring myself? Well, I'm not hurting anybody else. My pornography addiction isn't hurting anybody else. You know, it's me. Maybe it's okay. You know, but I'm not hurt. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, are you honoring yourself? Love God, love others as you love yourself. Says it like Paul says it like this. Don't you realize your body? is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's living inside of you, his spirit, who lives inside you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. You don't get to do whatever you want to do. For God bought you at a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Am I honoring God with my choices, with my attitudes, with my actions? With my, am I honoring others? Am I honoring myself? Or am I doing something to cause harm on myself as well? Here's a great question. Here's a great question. Ask the question, whether if you're, if you're wondering, is this sinful or not? Ask the question, is it fun? No, 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 no. do not ask that question. <laughs> hey, let's be honest. Sin's fun. If you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong if, <laughs> if it's not. Is it wise? Is this a wise choice for me? Am I honoring others? Am I honoring God? Am I honoring others? Am I honoring myself? Is this wise? You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You have freedom. 
to do whatever he wants. But you know this, not everything you do is going to be good for you. Binging video games for eight hours a day, you can do it. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. What are you a slave to? What is something that you are a slave to in your life right now that you struggle with saying no? I can't, I can't go away from this thing. I can't set it down. 20 minutes, 10 minutes, I got to pick this thing up. What are you? I'm not a slave to anything. Listen, here's a good test. If, if, if it's no big deal, because that's, oh, that's no big deal. My phone's no big deal. Video games, no big deal. Drinking, it's no big deal. I'm fine. If it's no big deal, then drop it for a month. Just let it go for a month. If it's no big deal, then it's no big deal, right? But why is it such a big deal? Which, by the way, come back next week, how do I move on from my deepest regrets? Most of those are going to be sexual, by the way. If you want to get to the heart of your deepest regrets. If sex is no big deal, then why is it such a big deal? I don't like what God has to say about marriage and sex in the Bible. It's so old-fashioned. He's not asking how you feel. Yeah, but they're hot. I want to date them. So's hell. Hell's hot too. Come on. God will forgive me in the morning. <laughs> How do I move on from deep regret? Come back next week. I'll help you with that one. You hear this a lot in our, in our world. I want to be true to myself. I want to live my truth. As soon as you stick the word my in front of truth, truth ceases to exist, by the way. It becomes your opinion, your experience, which is all valid. I'm not disregarding that, but it's no longer truth when you stick my in front of it. What does Scripture say? My identity is in Christ. That's what it says. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You want to be my follower? You want to be my disciple? You want to be a Christian? You, you lay down your life. You, you, you take up your cross and you follow me. You be a, a holy and living sacrifice, a sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. I, don't, I deny myself. I don't, I, he lives through me now. He calls the shots. At some point, who's the Lord? Well, I don't like it, so I'm just going to go through all these things. Well, then you're the Lord. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to believe in no God, and I, I, can't, I don't want to uh, you know, go with Christian standards, so all of them. You know, just so long as you're sincere with all the... Any, any religion, any of them's good. They're all same, you know, same God. They're all climbing the same mountaintop, just different routes to get there. How does that work? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive. Everybody's invited, but that's pretty exclusive. In that, in that world... I hear what people are saying, but it comes down to you're God in that sense. You're the one calling the shots. I don't like this, but I like this, and we're cherry-picking. And the ultimate reality of that one is we are the ones, I am the God, who is choosing what is right and wrong. We're terrible at that. 
The wild card, the last one, the last test. Does this honor others? Is it honoring God? Is it, is it wise? There's the Holy Spirit card. God's Spirit, remember, he lives inside you. He's not silent. He's showing you a next step. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay, so we have, we have this sinful nature that's in us. It's at war all the time. And we want to do the things of the flesh. But then you got God saying, hey, that's wrong. I remember one time, it's, it, this can be where anything, anything can become a sin for you. I've had people say, well, it's my conviction to make it your conviction that everyone should, should homeschool their kids. You know? And then they're going to like, make you guilt you into thinking that you're doing something wrong if you're not doing that. No. You might have a conviction that God lays on your heart, and if you go and do that thing or you don't do whatever it's saying, stop doing that, then that's a sin for you. James says it like this. James says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You, so you know. I remember one time I was speaking to youth, and I, I like to crack jokes. If you haven't noticed, when I get nervous on stage or if I'm dealing with a tense topic like this, I'm going to deflect with humor and dry humor at that, all right? And, and so I, I said something in a group of, of teenagers, and I said, oh, well, that's just an ADHD moment for me. Only I don't struggle with ADHD at all, okay? And I had a student in my, in my room. This is late after. I was like, oh, my gosh. Corey really struggles with ADHD. And because I was nervous and just saying something off the cuff, I said something. Day later, Holy Spirit just pings my conscience and says, you got to go to him and apologize. And I knew that I knew that I knew. Like, oh, I mean, well, well, it's just a small thing. He looked okay. He was fine. I don't really got to do that. But I knew the Holy Spirit was just pinging me saying, go. So I did. I knew it was going to be sinful if I didn't apologize for my off-the-cuff statement, okay, in that situation. God's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak. Well, how do I know what is and isn't sin? Ask God. Ask God to show you, is this okay for me or not? So there might be certain things that are off-limits in your life, and somebody else is doing it, and it's not a sin for them, but it's not okay for you, okay? So it's a wild card. Now, I don't got much time left, but I got more to say. The church in, the, in America sucks at this. Pastors are the worst. We will sit there and just beat people to a pulp outside this building because we've cherry-picked their sin, refusing to look in the mirror at our own, and we spotlighted them and saying, look how much you are a sinner. Look how much you've screwed up. God hates you. God, and that, that's the perception. I've had people come to me who like Freedom Church, who are kind of interested in coming, but they're, you want to know what their biggest obstacle to coming or hearing or, or receiving the Lord as their Savior? It's the church, and it's in bed with politics. They think if they follow Jesus, they got to get in some bed with political stuff, and they don't want to do that. They see the church. When, when I go to Ashley Pond and I see the geese there and they, they, they come up and they start honking or whatever, honk, 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 honk. You know what I don't do? I don't be like, hey, why are you acting like such a geese? I can't believe, a goose, I can't believe you're honking like that. What's it supposed to do? It's doing what it's supposed to do. I don't sit there and judge it for it. I don't go paint rocks. 
to try to prove it. That's not helping anyone. Christians are called by Jesus to be the salt of the earth. Right? Jesus says, you are to be the salt of the earth. He says, uh, you are to be the light of the world. Right? You guys are flinching right now. Why? I'm the light of the world. I'm shining a light on you. Everybody's flinching around me. Light can be helpful. A spotlight can be painful when you put it right in someone's face. Everybody's dunking and flinching. The church gets this messed up. You're supposed to be the salt of the world. He doesn't want you to take the cap off the salt and just dump it all over him. At that point, you're just salty. Nobody wants that. But you see this happen time and time again. It's not helping people get to know who Jesus is. I want you to see Jesus. Watch this, watch this, watch this. There was a woman who came to where Jesus was at, and she came to his feet weeping. She anointed him with oil. She was in tears. It says she was kind of washing his feet. Jesus was at a meal with a Pharisee, a religious person, someone who knew all the scriptures. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was taking place, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Listen, if you're here today, if you're watching online and you're like, man, I, I like this, but I'm, man, some pastor said this or some church person did this when I was younger. I don't know if I can believe that scripture. I don't know if I can follow that way because I see how the church is in bed with politics and doing all these things. And I just don't know. I don't, I'm sorry those things happen. I want you to see Jesus here. See Jesus. Jesus says, I tell you her sins and they are many. He's not backing off. He's not backing off. But look at Jesus. He says, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little only shows little love. The good news is Jesus forgives rebels. He sees you. He knows. We all have a list of our own sins. Romans chapter 2 says, you're so proud of knowing the law. You know it all. You know all the scripture. You know all the lists. You know all the things. And those are sin. That is my filter. That is my authority. But you dishonor it by breaking it. No wonder the scripture says, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. So what we see in our world. We have lost people. People who desperately need forgiveness. We are all looking for the same thing and we're going about it in different ways and we've lost sight of Jesus who says, I know the sin and there are many, but I've come to forgive them. The world needs a, to be judged. I need to be judged. But before it's going to be judged, he sent a savior. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Some of us today, See the need for a Savior. Some of us, you're like, when do we get the root beer floats? I'm tired and I want to get out of here. It's hot. One sinner on the cross saw the need. The other one did not. David, King David, murderer, rapist, had an affair. 
Noah built the ark, then got drunk and went streaking. Moses, a murderer. Paul, murdered Christians. Pastor Mike Brake, the worst of them all. I need a savior. And the good news is, we serve a God who's bigger than your sins. He conquered death, he conquered sin. And it's a free gift, that salvation. That forgiveness is a free gift from God. I'm telling you today, this is who Jesus is. It's not pretty. I don't like it. It's dark, it's real, but you serve a savior. So with that, can we uh, bow our heads where we're at? Jesus in this moment. Is there something going on in my life that displeases you? Shine a light in the dark areas of my life. Break down the walls that I've built up Break down the walls that I've built up about my view of who you are, God, how good you are and what you want in my life. The walls that I built up because of what someone said or what I saw or what someone did and it tainted my view of who you are, God. Help me to see my need of forgiveness and help me to see that none of these other ways, denying you or trying to work to earn salvation, or so it's, it's a free gift. God, that's what only you can do. I can't do that for anyone else. I pray in this room, if someone sees their need for a Savior, they would surrender it to you right here and right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I want to offer that invitation. Those thieves on the cross are us right there in our moments here on earth, and we don't have many of them left, even in this small amount of time. One day we will stand before you, Jesus, and we will have to get an account. And today we want to say yes to you. We want to surrender our life to you. I need a savior. I need a fixer. You are the one. You are not only my savior, but you are my Lord. You are my authority. You tell me what to do. Wherever you say to go, I will. The answer is yes. If that's you in the room today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just right where you're at with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand where you're at because I want to I want to be able to celebrate with you. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life to be free from your sin and have eternal life with the God who loves you. Where are you at? Just raise your hand and say yes to him. I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's gonna get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.